Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. This should be called the Swim Swam Podcast after hours. It's 10 p.m. right now. <laughs> I'm only doing a podcast at 10 p.m. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day because we are with my man, one of my favorite swimmers on planet Earth. He's coming to us live from Brisbane, Australia. You probably know him as the five-time Commonwealth Youth Games champion oh. from 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That that is true, but he's a he's a world champion. He's a Commonwealth senior Commonwealth Games champion. Clyde Lewis, what's up, man? How's Damn, it going? thank you, Coleman. He's giving me the rap of the year to start it off. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's good to be on the show. Finally. It's summer in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, or it's getting warm. I, you have a nice sunburny tan there. I see your hair's nice yes. and bleached. Uh, yeah, it's, yep. you're looking good. What what's going on? In the what's go- uh, it's just really hot. It's starting to heat up. Coming into December, um, as you said, I am sunburnt permanently from about <laughs> August onwards through to maybe March <laughs> or April um, since I I swim outside. Um, but not, not much is going on in Brisbane. It's been pretty quiet. Um, we don't have those Black Friday rushes like you guys seem to do over there. But um, <laughs> Christmas is coming up, so we're all keen to have a good, good hot Christmas, I think. I'm so jealous of you guys. I live in Texas, so like the weather here is mm. still very agreeable. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not very cold here right now. But like Chris, a sunny, sweaty Christmas with low consumerism just sounds so nice <laughs> like you said it is nice <laughs> <laughs> like you said like black friday people get freaking insane here man yeah we don't get that i think that's a good thing <laughs> i think they'd have a- to catch these hands man if i didn't get that ps5 <laughs> <laughs> Dude, seriously did you get your hands on one did you get i didn't i did not get yeah, my hands on I- the ps5 <clears throat> I don't think I feel like no one, I feel like bots did. And that's about it. Uh, okay. Yeah. People, people are going to start complaining if we don't talk about swimming. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's still go out and swim. <laughs> so, so most recently, um, you know, you were, you were slated to be on the Cali Condors, uh, which mm-hmm. ended up winning, being the winning team of the 2020 ISL season. Um, what have you been doing with your last six weeks besides just wallowing in misery? that you weren't in Budapest. (laughs) You've really hit the nail on the head there. So we didn't find out, well, I didn't find out that I wasn't going to go until maybe like a week before I was supposed to leave. So Mm -hmm. we were just so, um, there was so much uncertainty with us and there was just so much back and forth with um, Swimming Australia and our Australian government because they were just super strict on us and we had to apply for like all these different um, exemptions to leave and it ended up being that um, Swimming Australia wasn't ready to support us Aussie athletes so they sort of incentivized us not to go by like saying they're not going to support us and like not going to help us if we get stuck over there so um, my coach made the decision because there was about there was five of us that was supposed to be in ISL and he said look guys it's probably safe it's way safer to stay here so i was pretty cut about that i was so excited because we'd done nothing all year we just trained and like no one likes to just train <laughs> so that's all i've been doing i've just been training what? but uh, i wish i was over there because it looked so competitive and um it went like up from last year and watching it and hearing the results i think damn like i wish i was there i i feel you they didn't let media in I was very salty as well to be left out of Budapest. Um, it, like you said, it looked crazy. It looked competitive. Uh, you know, when you're training for this long, I know, I think you guys have, you know, a virtual competition or two, which certainly isn't the same, but mm. how do you, how do you stay motivated? What have you been doing in practice that, that has helped with that? Well, that's actually been like the hardest thing for me because, 
I just love getting out and about and to do my, my job isn't to train. My job is to race. And I'm so used to, used to, you know, um, racing every couple of months and we actually have a virtual meet tomorrow. And it's the first meet this year we've had where it's pretty serious. Like people are showing up kind of rested and ready to go. Like, so it's been real up and down for me because I was just getting, getting so sick of training and I had a few arguments with the coach and had a few blobs, but we've gone through it and we finally get to start racing and we've got another, um, we've got a state meet in about two and a half weeks. So I think everyone's just real itchy to get some racing in. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine that's hard. It's hard to keep the motivation up, right? Hard to keep the spirit up. Um, mm. I mean, describe your situation, I guess, starting in March or April, um, you know, when things really got first got locked down, what, I mean, what have these last six months looked like for you? Yeah. So when it was starting to you know, really go downhill, mm-hmm. um, our coach was just, just going, guys, it'll be fine. Like it's going to happen. Just don't listen to any of the news outlets. And then within like two hours, <laughs> everything's gone. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, good thing he said everything's going to be all right. And then um, we all came in for a group meeting and he went from the morning being, it's on, to the afternoon being like, look, guys, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you were doing, but I guess just take a couple of weeks off and we'll see where we go from there. So it was like a big shift in emotions. And um, it didn't really like hit me until about two weeks into just doing nothing. And um my roommate had gone to Melbourne just before our, so I'm in Brisbane, had just gone to Melbourne before the borders closed. And um, I was just so bored and like no one was doing anything. And I was just going crazy in my room, doing nothing all day. And um, when it finally started easing, because Australia didn't get that bad, thankfully, mm-hmm. and especially Brisbane, like Melbourne, Melbourne and Victoria were the ones that got bad. But after about six weeks, we could start like, getting out and having a coffee together and stuff like that. And I was just so stoked on that because it was, it was so boring. I just could not do it. I'd never want to do that ever again. So we went back to training and we sort of eased into it because we knew like there's nothing to train for at the moment at that time. So we just eased back into it. And um, I spent some time uh, training with, a couple other programs on the weekend just to catch up with people and um, just mix it up a bit. Cause I knew it was going to be the same thing for about a year with no racing. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. We've been training all the way through. We got into like some pretty hard stuff and back into our normal schedule in maybe, I don't know, August or September. And we started ramping it up from there. But um, before then it was super chill. Like you just rock up and, paddle away for an hour or so and then you go home it's been good nice yeah <laughs> that god yeah that does not sound fun to me the just not being able to nice. race you know not not knowing what's in the future and obviously everyone's in the same boat but yeah you said it it's just mm. he's going crazy not seeing people it's wild yeah and like melbourne went into like a full lockdown or Victoria did, and they they were way worse than we were in Queensland. I don't know how they were doing it. Like, you would see on their Instagram stories them just, like, taking pictures of, like, cars outside. They're going, like, oh, man, that's a good-looking car. And you're like, is this, like, the most exciting thing that's going on in your day? Like, I do not envy you at all. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I Texas is... I don't know that <laughs> maybe not as, maybe not as safe as I personally think they could have been, but yeah, they're like, it's, it's pretty, mm. um, people can go out here. And for me personally, that, you know, it's oh, well, been that's nice. something it's been nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no swimming. It's weird. What, what are you yeah. swimming this weekend? Give us mm. a little pr- sneak peek at the event lineup. A little sneak peek. So I'm just, it's just a virtual short course nationals because we usually have our short course nationals 
at this time of the year. So I think most states are just doing it on the same day roughly and then you just like combine the results. But I'm doing 100 free and 200 free. It's just heats. And then at night, you're just doing a couple relays. So it's nothing crazy. It's just getting a taste again. And especially since we are starting a taper for our state championships in two weeks. So this will sort of like throw us into the taper. Okay. We're hoping with some fast nice. swimming. So you, you yeah. get it, you're going to get a little rest. What you think in like 139, 40, 45 low? That sound about right. Yeah, I think I think that'd be all right. Maybe a thirty-eight, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been seeing the results from ISL, and they were they were going bloody quick. I think Duncan went a one forty. That's pretty nuts. Um, yeah. Who else was there? I mean, oh, I... the twenty point one. That was pretty nuts. <laughs> that was pretty nuts. I know, I mean, yeah, it's pretty he, good. <laughs> he went forty-five zero, and then yeah, Duncan with his one forty. Yeah, that was. That was crazy. Uh, his his 45-0. Yeah. It's really uh, not messing around, is it? <laughs> <laughs> really not. He broke like 17 world records. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, mm. But yeah, so so you get to race for the first time. Let's let's enough enough about the boring here and now. Let's take it back to when you could race. Mm. Um, I actually do want to talk about these 2015 Commonwealth Youth Games. Uh, this meet looks mm. like a looks like a banger for you. You won eight medals, five gold, two silver, one mm. bronze. They were in Samoa. Tell me about this experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, this meet came straight off the back of our Junior World Championships in Singapore, and it was like roughly the mm. same team. Mm-hmm. and we were in Samoa. It was it was beautiful. I loved Samoa, but the vibe was just so relaxed. Like, we were getting around in the back of a ute driven by, like, this lovely Samoan lady, and we just get in the, in the tray, and she'd drive us around, and she'd go, all right, kids, get in the tray, and we'd go, yes, that's all right, we'll get in the tray, and we'd rock up to the pool, and they had a very good facility. Like, it was unbelievable. It was all indoors, like two pools. It was crazy. Like I, I did not expect it, but um, yeah, that meet, I was coming off a pretty successful junior worlds and that was the first international meet I'd ever done. So I was really hyped up and they sort of just threw me in events that also weren't my best. So I did a lot of events and I just charged on and I guess got a few golds and like, what more could you want really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you did two free, four IM, two IM, hundred back, fifty back, no two hundred back, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't make the cut. <laughs> Ton of relays. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you remember from that meet specifically? Just it was it racing? You know, was it a was it a certain race? Was it um, a certain relay? Was it a certain teammate? Um, what memories do you have from from that competition? Well, I, I was so switched on the whole time because I knew I had a busy schedule. And I also wanted to uh, continue my success from Junior Worlds. And I, I was very unsure about like my career at the time. I'd never even done anything with swimming. So I was like, I wonder like what I could do with this. And by each race, I was every race I was really stoked with. And I thought, you know, like, maybe I can be a professional athlete like I'd never considered it really before. And like, it was the year I'd finished school. So I'd committed all my energy into swimming and it just proved to me that I could make a a career out of it. And after the meet, I thought, hell yeah, let's go for a senior team next year or something. And it all just sort of snowballed from there. It just gave me a lot of confidence and made me actually believe that I could do it. That's awesome. It was awesome. It felt like so powerful to actually have it all pay off, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, so you have this breakthrough moment where, you know, again, I didn't even mention world juniors. You won the two IM at world juniors. You got silver on a, on the four by 200 relay. Um, and then you go to this Commonwealth youth games, eight medal hall, uh, really big performance. 
so you're like, okay, maybe I can be a pro athlete. Maybe I can be on a senior team. Um, take, take me through what comes next because I, I think it, you know, you, you didn't medal again on the senior international stage until 2018. Yeah. So from there, there's a massive transition to make because you're not just racing under 18s or under 19s, like you're racing the men. And I was 18 or 19 and these blokes are huge, big. I was just a scrawny little rat really. And I knew I had to make massive shifts in my swimming and in my gym, especially because I'd never really taken gym seriously. And I thought I can make a massive shift in my strength, um, especially being a, a late teenager as well. So for the next uh, for ne- the next year, which was Rio, I didn't really, I didn't, I knew I wasn't ready for Rio. Like I kind of didn't want the Olympics to be my first senior crack because that's, I'd rather be on a world's team and build my way up, but I still obviously would have loved to be on it. I just didn't expect to. Um, so the following year at the trials, I ended up getting third in the 400 medley. And even though I got third, I remember just claiming it because I was just so stoked. I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen anyone else claim a third at a nationals, but yeah. um, I remember afterwards I went up to my coach and he said, you just missed Olympics by like a second. I thought that's pretty good. Like that's a lot <laughs> better than I thought I would, would have done. So um, missing Olympics at the end of the year was the uh, world short course championships in Windsor. And I thought like, you know, after Olympics, most of the big dogs have a break and um, take it easy and sometimes even just skip world short course. So that's my best chance. So I just trained with that in mind. I ended up making it and I was super happy about that. Um, so that was like my transition, I guess, from a junior to a senior team. Yeah. And, and so then uh, you go to Windsor what did you what did you get from that first big dog experience um of you know racing racing not these boys but these men yeah it was um it was exciting because i was seeing myself as one of these big men i thought i've made the team like i'm i'm one of these guys now i'm not just someone that they look look down at they see me as a competitor and um like the, I remember after trials, when I made the team, my coach was like, don't you dare go out tonight and celebrate. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go. I ended up going out and celebrating. <laughs> and I just woke up, I woke up the next day and I just felt so bad. I was vomiting. I had this bad stomach bug and I thought Dean is going to, he's going to kill me. Like, So I had to try and recover from that in about four three weeks because I had a 400 IM and that's not, that's not messing around. You've got to be pretty, pretty fit for a 400 IM. So um, I had to try extra hard to, to get better from vomiting for a few days. Um, But I ended up doing really well at world short course and I went faster in my 400 medley, I'm pretty sure. And um, we ended up getting, I think we got fourth in the four by two. And like that was huge for me. I'd never been in a in a senior relay, and that was the highlight of the meet for me, um, because I I think I let off, and I was just having the best time watching everyone finish. And like even though we came fourth, I was just going nuts the whole time, just yelling and carrying on. And I look at that and I think nothing's really changed. I still yell and carry on, no matter what happens. And I think that's just what I love about racing because. I'm a very expressive person and I just express how happy I am to be there and how happy I am to represent my country as everyone is. But I just, I just think it's so great that I can express that. I I couldn't agree more because I've never talked to someone. I've never heard of someone celebrating a third place at a trial's or a fourth place and a relay as, as much as that, but that's Mm -hmm. awesome because those things should be celebrated <laughs> even though they're not, you know, like the goal sometimes. It's yeah. Like- they're not the pinnacle. It's still a great achievement. And like, oh, I thought I saw it as an achievement to even be selected 
to be on this relay and to even lead off the relay. Like what an honor it is to lead off my country's relay. Like I was just so happy to do that. And they still put me first. And I just see that as like, so such an honor and that they respect me as an athlete. They trust that I can lead the relay off with a good time and smash the wall, get a good changeover. And I just see that as such a good um, vision on me. Yeah. I mean, shoot. I wish more swimmers had this. I wish more people had this, had this mindset. Uh, Cause it's, it's a good, <laughs> it's, it's very positive. Um, all right. So let's mm. uh, let's, let's talk 2018 now um, heading into the Commonwealth mm-hmm. games. You swam two IM, four IM there. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. again, you've been, you've been to, uh, I, I think as, as, as Americans, we don't really understand the Commonwealth games, right? Cause we're not a part of it, but it's, it's yeah. a big deal. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> it's a big deal uh, mm. to, to those who go. Can you describe the, the lore, um, the vibe of, of a Commonwealth game? The lore. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, um, it was in, it was in Queensland. So it was on the Gold Coast. So every man and his dog wanted to be <laughs> on the Commonwealth Games team because you, you're an Australian. You will never, like, I will never get to do that again. No one in my generation of athletes will get to swim internationally in their own country. And that was such a crucial team for me to make. Like I desperately wanted to make that team. And um, the Australian public put the Commonwealth Games like on the same level as the Olympics, even though it's nowhere near that. <laughs> but they perceive it as like the exact same thing. So there's so much hype mm-hmm. and everyone just, I remember the stands were like, you know, it was an outdoor pool and no, you don't race in outdoor pools anymore internationally. And you couldn't even see like the top given that I didn't have my glasses on, but I couldn't really see the top <laughs> of the stands and everyone's just cheering and they're, they've all got the Aussie flags and you never see that many Aussie supporters. So everyone wanted to make that team. And I think I did a really good job there. And I think I embraced what it means to be on the Commonwealth team really well. And I really, cherish being on that team it was such a great time i mean like you said you make the team and then to not only perform well at a home meet to have that experience of swimming at one of the biggest international meets in your home state but to win (laughs) to win like your first big international gold uh at a meet like that i mean take me through that race You, you you won the 400 im what, what was that experience like? What was that day like? That was such a strange day because I hadn't even qualified for the 400 IM and <laughs> I hadn't done any training for it. I was actually training for the 200 IM because I was like, and the 400 is so hard. I really don't want to train for that. So, <laughs> but I ended up getting put in it, which is kind of ironic because it's not what I wanted to do. But I thought, you know what, like I cannot, you know, just throw this away because I didn't train for it. So um, I hadn't done one in a couple of years or something in a year. And well, I hadn't done a PB in a couple of years and I thought, you know, what the hell, this isn't something that I usually take. This isn't my serious event. I'm concentrating on the 200 and I sort of really chilled out in my head and I'd learned a lot from that race because I just didn't let myself get caught up in um, how serious the event was, I guess. So I did the heat. I went real close to my PB and I went easy. I was so surprised at how close I went going easy. And I thought that night, like, how good would it be to win? Like in front of all the Aussies to have a win. And it was going to be, if I did win, it would be the first win out of anyone in my squad. So I was like, oh, I'd really like to take the first win. So um, that night I did it and I turned after the breaststroke and I had uh, a Scotsman beside me and he was charging. And I went into like this 
crazy mindset. I was like, if I don't win, I will die. Like, <laughs> I will die if I win. It was kind of messed up, but um, I just charged the last 100. I don't think I breathed for, like, the last 12 metres. And that's why, like, everyone remembers this race from my interview because I was, like, collapsing and falling into a chair <laughs> and stuff like that and just carrying on. But I think I touched the wall after not breathing for 12 metres and then just carried on for about three minutes celebrating and stuff. So I didn't actually breathe for three three or four minutes. And I'm walking over to the to the interview and I'm just like so lightheaded and fall over. And I find it funny that everyone remembers that rather than me winning. They're like, oh, remember that time you passed out doing an interview? I'm like, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny, wasn't it? <laughs> so yeah, it was a very interesting day. And um I remember seeing my mum and my dad in the stands as I did the victory lap and my dad was, he'd had a few grogs and he was super happy with me. He was going off with his, with his friends in the stands and it was just super happy to see my family um, be with me in that moment and that I actually was able to spot them. So that's something I, that's a picture I really remember. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah, not only to have a, to have the home games, but to have the family support too. Um, that yeah, it seems 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 unforgettable, especially when they get to see you collapse during the interview. Yeah, and even more that like my family probably wouldn't be able to come see me race internationally if it wasn't within driving distance of where we live, because it's a big like financial commitment to take time off work and stuff like that, to fly over to like Budapest to watch, mm-hmm. watch me race for a week. So it was just super, all the stars just fell in line, I guess, for them to be there and watch me do that. Which, which is super cool. Um, and that, that's a good transition. Let's, let's, let's take it back even further. Um, I mean, tell me mm-hmm. about y- you just growing up, um, how you got into swimming. Um, what, what, what piqued your interest for swim? Well, the funny thing is I wasn't really that interested in it for a long time. <laughs> I, um, I just did it cause my mum made me, I guess, for pool safety and surf safety and stuff like that. And, um, I just saw it as more of a, a social sport until I was probably 16 which doesn't mean I wasn't doing well at it. I was still applying myself and actually getting decent results state and nationally, but I never really flicked the switch in my head until I finished high school. And um, which I, I have no regrets about because a lot of the people that I grew up swimming with that did take it very seriously, they no longer swim because they, they just went too hard too early and burnt themselves out. And they weren't interested in it anymore. Whereas I um, just saw it as a time to have fun with my mates and um, just swim on the side, I guess. Yeah. So that's uh, it. Did, did, did you play other sports growing up? Um, it, did you have other interests besides swimming? Yeah. So in primary school, I played a lot of different sports, which I guess would be what's primary school for you guys, like elementary school Yeah. from like when I was six till, yeah. Um, I played like cricket and softball. I did cross country and um, I did a lot of things. But then in, in high school, I went to a program whose coach was Matt Brown. He was Emily Seabom's coach when she was at a peak in 2008. And he just was not, keen on me playing any other sports and I went to a sporting school and I was like come on man I just want to play footy I want to want to play tennis and volleyball he was like no you're swimming that's it swim 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 so I was (laughs) I wasn't too happy about that but thankfully I had I was in a program with both lots of people and lots of people in different age groups so I was one of the youngest and there were people up to like 20 so I got to be exposed to, I guess, an adult program from when I was 12 years old, which I think really helped me um, mature 
fast as an athlete because I could see how they behaved instead of being in a group of people who are 12. And that's just, that's just messing around really if you're around <laughs> a bunch of 12 year olds, like you're probably not getting any good work done. Probably yeah. not too mature when you're 12. Uh, was there, no. <laughs> was, was, was there a specific athlete there that, that you kind of, you know, tried to model yourself after or really looked up to, or was it kind of just the group? Yeah, there was. So, um, there was, uh, there were two boys, um, their names were Buster and Jared and they were, uh, they were very successful swimmers. Um, and they were in year 12 when I was in year eight. So about four or five year difference. And they were, I really looked up to them. They um, were both great mates. And I thought, I wish I can't wait to have a mate like this because they were both just, just like this. They were inseparable. I thought how cool that was. And they were so fast and they, um, I guess I just looked up to them as like, damn, they're the cool kids. Like I'm going to be like them sort of thing. But then um as, the, as I got older and they, they retired and um, stuff like that, I started to see myself as a leader of the, of the squad rather than the follower, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like watching them train and how they behave and their athlete mindset, again, put I just absorbed all of that and put it into practice, which is, I guess, they formed who I am as an athlete, which is great. That is great. I mean, to have, like they were great mentors. To have role models like that is, yeah. is a, is a really cool thing for sure. Um, mm. Nice. So, do, I mean, did, do you feel like you had mentors like that on your, you know, the first time you went on, on a junior team trip or a senior team t- trip? Um do you have guys that you looked up to on those kinds of trips? Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially going into the, into the senior, senior teams, everyone just was so supportive and they really got around me, which is great because they've, they've, I've heard stories of how in the past in say 2010, they weren't supportive of the young fellas. And if they, had a bad swim they would they would just not talk to them they would you know sort of look down on them and that is so unhealthy for a young swimmer or a young person even to have their idols and their their peers to get to get into you like that so I was really grateful that everyone was so supportive and got behind us young fellas and um, we do that now to all the young boys and even the guys on the junior team we are seeing them at state meets and national meets, seeing them come through the ranks and we're getting behind them because they are going to be after us when we retire and they need to beat us really. (laughs) Again, that seems like a good mindset to have, you know, you gotta, you gotta get, get the young kids up and they, they need to beat us. Right. It's, it's not like, Oh, you can't beat me. I'm a young, you're, you're just a kid. It's like, no, you, you need to be beating me. Um, cause that's how they're going to grow. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so you, you have this experience in 2018, um, that is, is really cool. You know, you're able to win gold at a home meet in front, in front of your family. Um, let's, let's cut to 2019, uh, the world championships, your first long course world championships, right? Did you go in 2017? I was there in 2017. That was my first long course, okay. but I didn't have, it wasn't, it was more just like an introduction again for me. I feel like I didn't, um, I didn't sprout, I guess then at 2017, I was still young and inexperienced and I guess just finding where I am and what stroke I even do stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> you're getting your legs under you. Uh, yeah, and, pretty much. So, so t- talk to me about your mindset coming into the 2019 world championships. What were you thinking? Um, where was your, yeah. Where was your head at coming into that meet? So the start of that year was 
a pretty rough year for me. I, um, I'd ended my first like long, long-term relationship. I moved out of my first apartment and, um, I was just like going through all these young person problems, I guess. Yeah. And then I was just battling for a couple months and then I just flicked the switch and thought like, I want to go 144. Like I would love to go 144. No one has gone 144 in a couple years. And I just, I don't care if I get sixth going 144, first going 144, I'm going 144. So I just really committed. And that was the first, I guess, um, preparation where I took it into my own hands. Like I was having conversations with my coach saying like, I need to do this. I feel like I need to do this. I need your support on this. And he was loving it. He was so on board with it because he could see me being so passionate about this goal. And he was just so happy that I was telling him, not him telling me. So for about (laughs) three months, I just went nuts at training and I was doing so much extra stuff to try and achieve this goal because I knew the magnitude of the goal. Like I had to drop over a second and like only one Australian's ever gone 144. So I knew how big of a task this was. And when I did it at Worlds, I didn't care that it wasn't in the final or that it didn't really mean anything in the final. I was just so stoked to have done that. And, like, that was my victory. Like, I'd achieved my goal. And a lot of people ask me, like, man, it would have been good to do that in the final. I think, yeah, it would have been good to do that in the final, but it didn't bother me in the slightest because I was just so happy to have achieved the goal that I'd set for that meet. That's really great to hear again, the, you know, similar mindset to happy, happy getting fourth in the relay, happy getting third at trials. It's like you, you reached your goal. You, you, you did this really cool thing and that's an achievement mm. in and of itself. That was my, I mean, I vividly remember watching Worlds, you know, at Mel Stewart's house, my boss's house, with like seven in the morning here or whatever, and watching semis of the 200 free. And it's just like, who is this Aussie kid who's going out in 50 point? Like what? Yeah. You know, out of lane one. And then you go 144 and you're just going nuts. And we're like, who is this guy? The funny thing is I remember I looked at the board and I saw 144 and I my first thought was do I carry on or do I just chill out and say myself I thought stuff that I'm carrying on I've done my job and then I just celebrated and did all that and I I I think that's great like a lot of people wouldn't do that but I think stuff it you only do things like that once in your life or a couple of times in your life. And you don't, a lot, most people don't get an opportunity to, to do something great broadcasted to the world. So I was, I was just vibing it, I guess is the, the phrase that you could use. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was, I was so happy. Like, that's it. I'm just, I was just so happy with my result. And I, I remember walking back and people that had never even like looked at me, like, were coming up to me saying, man, that was so such a good swim. And I just felt like, wow, I've really made like a stand for myself and like stamped myself into the professional swimming world. Like I remember James Guy came up to me and I'd never met James Guy. And when he, when he came up to me, I didn't know, I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. And he was like, man, that was so sick. Like, Thanks man. Like oh, that was sick, wasn't it? <laughs> and, um, yeah, just heaps of people. Gregorio Paltrinari came up to me and um, said something. And I just felt so embraced by the swimming community for something that wasn't like I didn't win the final. I didn't, do, it was in a semi final. They were just so excited to have seen a surprise. Like no one expected it. I didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Such a cool swim, one forty four nine. Like you said, only one other Australian's done it. I mean, 
what maybe i don't know 10 or 15 men in history have done it um i think yeah so uh you know it's yeah semi-final prelims final state meet it's a big deal no matter where it is uh yeah so let's so so you you know you swim the final um and uh, the results happens um and Mm. then and then you get to and then you get to get up again for the four by two relay um yes take take me through that because i mean i i talked to mac about it uh i'm talking to you about it now but like that race was just freaking insane i mean there were five teams six five teams like all within a second of each other at the end uh basically all tied it it going into the the last length yeah give me the breakdown on the four by two okay so um i didn't have to swim the heat i was just swimming in the final so i watched the boys get us into the final and we were just so stoked on that and the boys were stoked with how they went and they um, the two that unfortunately didn't make the cut for the final, they were soaked for us. They weren't disappointed. They were going, you boys are going to do something great tonight. We can feel it. They were getting around us. And um, we, us four, had just bonded really hard over the idea of perhaps winning this race because it had been proposed to us by our 4 by 200 coach in, in January saying, like, you boys can win this. And we are going, oh, yeah, good one, like, you can't just say you'll win this. and But I think after um, me and Kyle did the 200, um, the other boys were getting around us and getting us real keen for it. And we actually believed that we can do it. And I was swimming the fastest I've ever swam in my life. Kyle was swimming the fastest he's ever swam in his life. Alex was. Mac was. Mac went a 144. He won us the race. You could say that, like 144. That's nuts. So um, I let off. And the best part about leading is by the time the race is over, you got your breath back. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there relaxing after my race and everyone's still going to go. <laughs> but um, it was surreal. Like after Alex, Alex went a 145.0, mm-hmm. which yeah. was phenomenal. And after I watched him touch the wall, I thought like, we have a shot here. Like of all the times to have a shot, it's right now. And just watching everyone turn with 50 to go at the same time, I was yelling things that luckily weren't picked up by the microphone over my head. (laughs) Um, And when he touched the wall, it was just like, I felt like we all just felt like God, like we were just the pinnacle. We were like, we are the pinnacle of swimming this year in the four by 200 freestyle. And we were just on top of the world. Like we were on top of the world. Like you could, you could say that we were on top of the world, like that's it. And we were just so happy to be in that moment together. And I remember Mac coming up to me like a day after. And he said to me, that was the highlight of my swimming career. And that's coming from a man that has won an Olympic gold individual medal. Yeah. And he came up to me and said, that was the highlight of my career. And I thought that is unbelievable that, that he thinks that, and that I was a part of that for him. And he was a part of that. Like we were all just in it together and it was real brotherhood. And it still is like, we still talk to each other, not about that, but about going beyond for next year. And like, how can we do better? Like, what are our goals for next year and stuff like that. So it's an, it's still evolving and we're still riding off that energy. Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just watching that race, you know, obviously um, not seeing America win for me was, was like, Oh man. But like, you know, I like, in a race like that, you can't even be mad about it. Cause it, it was just like that sport, like it, it just down to the mm. wire, such good tactics. It was, it was crazy. And, um, yeah, I mean, to see, 
the elation that you guys had. It was like, it's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and like Australia hadn't won that in a very long time. So we were just so proud to have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Our Thorpe and all that messaged us saying, good job, boys. And like, you get a message from Thorpe. You can't not be pretty <laughs> stoked about that, right? You can't, you can't <laughs> not be stoked about that. Um, okay. So mm. I don't want to, I, a f- couple more topics we've got to cover. Um, mm-hmm. so, so ISL season one, uh, you're on the New York breakers. Mm-hmm. Just take me through what ISL meant to you just being a part of it, that racing, that environment. Um, what was your experience like? Well, ISL season one, everyone was excited about it. It was something different. It was a new format. It was um, more entertainment focused, which is something a lot of us swimmers had um, theorized for a long time. Like, how can our sport evolve? And ISL was the answer to that. And it is the answer to that. Like, it is entertaining, competitive. It's um, There's rivalry between teams and it's just so exciting to see something fresh and being on the New York breakers, I was stoked to be picked because I signed before worlds. So really I wasn't, I wasn't anyone I just got picked and I was happy to just be picked. And um, I was on the team with you, you were our media manager and that's where I first met you, which is also a very big highlight of the ISL season one for me, if I should say that to the audience. My, my biggest highlight. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, but ISL just, it changed the game for swimming. And a lot of people were saying like, oh, ISL is just for the casuals, Worlds is for the serious swimmers. But we've seen this year that ISL is most and for all for competitive swimmers like we have had such fast swimming this year and I just love the idea of a team and like regular racing and you can see it as any other sport like football uh, formula formula one like every sport has a season where they race or they play week to week and I think that's what we as athletes need because the more race experience you get and exposure, the better. And I'm kind of tired of just training for 360 days for one, one meet. Like it's just not, it's not as fun. You know, you don't get to do your job as often. So I love the ISL and that's why I was so upset about not being able to go this year because it's so refreshing instead of doing the same thing that I've been doing for the past 10 years. And as a fan, it's refreshing also to see, to see racing that often uh, with, with all of the, you know, the best swimmers in the world. And you have, like you said, the team rivalries. Yeah, it's great. Uh, It's, it's, it's so much more fun. Um, And that's, that is. Yeah. And it's so much more audience friendly. I think because instead of it going for a week and there's like three events a night, you have back to back to back to back events on the same night. And it's interesting to see how athletes back up race to race. Like you never see that at a world championships. Most people have one race a night, whereas people might have up to three, three or four races in a meet. And it's just so interesting to see how well people back up. And it makes you really appreciate the work that they've done to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and yeah, again, you know, you, you have the people who say, well, no, I need like my, my block of training or I, I need, you know, I, I can't race that much. It's like, dude, if you're, if you're throwing down world-class times back to back, like that is, that's training, you know, that yeah, is, getting, that is that the is best form of training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so moving forward to wrap things up here, um, you know, you've got the meet this weekend. Um, like you said, you've got state championships in a couple of weeks that you're coming down for. Um, mm-hmm. So after that, 
you know, do you have short-term goals? Obviously, you know, Olympics are on the horizon, but just in the next few months, what do you, what are you trying to do to keep things fresh to not just kind of get lost in that? Well, here we're, we're back to training again. Yeah. So, um, the start of the year is going to be, it's going to be back to normal from what we can see. Um, we've got our, uh, national relay event camps, which we do every year. So all us four by 200 boys get together and do a week of training. Um, I'm spending three weeks uh, traveling around Australia. So I'll spend a week in Melbourne with Mac and I'll spend a week with Kyle in Adelaide and I'll spend a week on the Gold Coast just to be with my teammates and um, do a block of training with them because it's so exciting and refreshing to be with with people that you haven't seen in a while and um, throw down some good sessions. And it's just, it's nice to spice stuff up every now and then. So I'm super excited to get back into a routine of um, getting around and um, racing and training with different people and getting the ball rolling for Olympics because once January 1st ticks over, like it's on, like it's the Olympic year. Um, So you got to pull your finger out and do some good work and what better way to do it than with your teammates that you race with. His final question is uh you know you said you you guys have these relay camps which i think is awesome uh is there a memorable session or a a a practice that you guys have had together um that really sticks out in your mind is is like oh yeah we threw down today and and this is this is what built us yeah absolutely like we will we've done um like back to back to back 50s of best average and you just keep going and you, you just see all your boys hurting, but you know they're hurting with you and you just keep going because we all have the same goal. Like we're all working towards the same goal. And last year it worked. Like we were all committed to it. And whenever someone is starting to hurt, you just, you know you're hurting with them. They know you're hurting with them. It's just great because you both are committed to, to the goal. Like no one's backing down, which is great. And that's what you want in a relay. Couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Clyde, Lewis, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Dude, it's always a pleasure. I love seeing you, man. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on the show. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.